Welcome to Machine Learning. One hot encoding, okay, with PySpark. Um, so what one hot encoding is, is uh, if you just take your string indexer and, uh, and you put that against your categorical uh, data, you will get a ranking of, uh, based on occurrences of, of the, uh, each category. But uh, so then you can do a get dummies and then that will build a dense array, a dense vector. And so you have uh, for each category, uh, each, each uh, category will have level will have its own column or feature. And, uh, and then it will either be uh, a zero or a one. So let's say like, uh, in the case of uh, of uh, cars, like different types of cars, you have subcompact, you have full size, you have uh, medium sized car. Each one would then have its own column uh, in a dense dense vector, <clears throat> and so you'd have mostly zeros. Now you can, for since they're mostly zeros we can create a sparse array. And uh, so what it would have is the first, for each row, it will have a list. One list, two list. One list will be uh, the index for the column or feature, or let's see, level, you would say this categorical level, uh, that is one. So you'd have one, and uh, and then you would uh, take uh, that and get its index on the column. So let's say you had three and seven were the column indexes. So then you would have uh, for the index it'd be three and seven, and then the value would be uh, one and one. Now, in a sparse sparse array you can have any value in there. So it doesn't necessarily have to be one. But in the case of uh, categorical data, it will always be one. And so uh, we, you get that in terms of categorical data, and then you uh, fit your, you fit that against your model data, and you transform it to get your predictions. That was so. That's basically one hot encoding uh, with uh, using PySpark for uh, building your model. And uh, this, this kind of uh, yields itself well to other types of networks. I mean, classifiers. We, we've talked about random forest classifier, uh, XGBoost, gradient boost, uh, and... Uh, We have uh, gradient boost, and then we have logistic regression. And so that's uh, uh, what if we had decided to use a neural net instead? Uh, then we would use maybe an MLP classifier, and then we would describe the hidden layers. Or we could use a Keras. 
so that that's an interesting concept to use high spark with Keras. Haven't done that yet, but uh, don't see any reason why you couldn't do it because uh, once you get the data frame, the data into the data frame, uh, whether you're going to, you know, let's say it's a huge amount of data, like billions of rows. Well, the way you would do that is once you have your data frame, you would uh, uh, do uh, you would do the read.csv and I'd have to check, but I imagine there's a, a chunk size. So in other words, we could cycle through uh, the PySpark API, which is the driver to the controller or to the manager, which then talks to the nodes, which activates the task. Um, and it would, would get a chunk at a time and then we could just process that through it, our, our pipeline. So we would fit that chunk into the pipeline, uh, go through all the transformations with a string indexer, one hot encoder, uh, and then fit the fit and uh, transform to make predictions uh, at, into the network. So then the network is uh, now getting trained against larger amounts of data. And then we could we could see how the network is as more data is being ingested, uh, see how it it uh, performs. So you, don't panic if you're thinking that uh, just because you have a billion rows of data that you can't do machine learning or AI, because there's ways to bring in the data and pass all that information through the network, train it, and. Uh, you know, you can run a certain number of epics on it, train it, get your training set, and uh, and then utilize those models. So I imagine that there's going to be websites out there that have <clears throat> done all this work for us, and uh, they have trained models, and you just uh, you just hook into that uh, trained model and use it. And you know, as long as it's providing utility to you, it's useful. Then uh, you know, maybe they they will provide a subscription, and uh, and more APIs will be used to diagnose the model once it's in the pipeline to see uh, to see how it performs. And so, those are things that uh, we might. Uh, eventually start to see as uh, AI becomes more popular. You've got now machine learning pipelines on Azure. You've got machine learning pipelines on Amazon. You've got machine learning pipelines on Google. You know, and you're paying a subscription fee for those access to those tools. And uh, you're setting up your environments inside of a cloud environment. And that's all great because otherwise you'd have to run it on individual servers and uh, that means you'd have to buy your own hardware to run your uh, AI. But I would say for most corporations, you could run it on a, a PC. You know, unless you're a, a big corporation, a large corporation, you, you'll need cloud. I think most of the time uh, Python has the libraries that you need. Even, you know, you can set up your your PySpark on Apache Spark on a uh, on a uh, uh, 
Linux box and load all your data onto it and then start using uh, PySpark for your, your machine learning. So now we let me switch over to regressors. So one thing regressors have, you, you put in your data, your features, and uh, um, you give uh, the label what you want to predict. So what a regressor is, is basically um, a line that, that fits through your data. And the way they do that, that's called the model. And, and then you have uh, observable points, which is your data points. And uh, the model line or the regressor line is going to fit through that. Um, so if you take a vertical line between the observed data and then the uh, model data, you or model line, you would get what they call a residual. And so we can calculate that residual as a distance. And that, that distance becomes then an error. Uh, so we can add those all up and uh, we can then get a mean on that, a mean squared error. So we're looking to see how much error we're on. And, uh, and then we can get an intercept line. Now, most of your data, uh, when it, the intercept, okay, so you have an intercept and a slope. And uh, what the uh, slope is, is it's the, the change um, of one coefficient or one variable in terms of another, you know, rise over run. And uh, so uh, it tells us the rate of change as we move through the data. So each one of those, we have an intercept and we also have coefficients. And the coefficients uh, are basically a Taylor series. So we're, we, we're getting the general equation of a polynomial and then we're uh, setting each one of the features, uh, weights or coefficients. And we can look at those coefficients and actually tell which ones, which features are contributing. Uh, to the to the model accuracy of the model and which ones aren't um, and uh, and so uh, we can plot those co coefficients out and we can analyze them and uh, they're they're effective in in uh, understanding what's happening with the, the regressor the reason why regression is so important is there's probably you know, a ton of financial information that's looking to see, you know, what, what's the trend? What's the way we're moving? You know, how are we looking at our data? What are the indicators? You know, and if you're not studying your data, then you're, you're not really understanding your company. And there's just no way around that. Even if you believe that you know what's happening in your company, at some point, there's going to be so many transactions. There's going to be so much activity that's going on. Uh, that you really will not understand what's going on. So you have to uh, you have to be looking at uh, these trends, and uh, sometimes uh, you know what happens is the data is not linear, and so what you what you want to look at things like uh, uh, to uh, predicting linearity. There's different coefficients that you can use, or different uh, variables you can use. 
that uh, will indicate whether you're, you have a linear system. Because if you don't have a linear system, then a regressor is not what you want. You want to use an ordinary least square and uh, maybe use a second order polynomial or a third. Now, like we were talking about yesterday with a, a polynomial feature is that the polynomial order uh, is really how many roots you're finding on uh, that uh, function. And so that will allow then for more uh, flexibility through your data, but at the same time, you could run the risk of overfitting. So you want to look at your variance and uh, things like that to make sure that you don't have overfitting going on. Because what order, overfitting does is it, uh, it reduces the accuracy for new data to be introduced into the model and for an accurate prediction to occur. So uh, there, there are cases where you can get uh, very high overfitting and, uh, and low accuracy. And I think uh, they did uh, in DataCamp, one of the earlier courses, they do illustrate that argument that you can have, uh, you can have this overfitting that occurs that could affect, uh, affect your model. A bias means that it, you're missing you're missing the target. Your your uh, uh, your your precision is not good. So the way you tell between precision and recall is uh, false positive and false negatives. So we look at the degree of false negative and false positive that can tell us uh, in in the equations uh, that uh, I believe it's a recall is how many false positives you have, and then uh, precision is how many false negatives you have, as you have true, true uh, positives divided by uh, uh, true positive plus false, false negatives, and, and, uh, and false positives. Okay, I'll give you the, the, the uh, recall and the precision. But anyway, uh, you know, there's a lot to be thinking about and uh, and the more you have to consider all these factors, you know, it's just going to come down to who's going to build the tool that is the most understandable or uh, most adaptable, like uh, Excel. You know, you've got the data in Excel, which is like a data frame, and so you could almost think of like Excel in the future is being this huge data frame. It's good, it's becoming that, you know, it, it, it was originally spreadsheets, but it, it's going to transform into becoming like the data frame. And then you'll have uh, these agents that uh, hook into that data frame and start analyzing it. And maybe some of it's automatic and get and could tell you a little bit about the data and they could automatically build some uh, graphs and charts to help you understand your data, you know. But uh, yeah, Excel is definitely uh, is set for some big transformational changes. And I can see that also happening for Power BI because Power BI is actually your super Excel.